What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, flamethrowers. Jessica Luther here. Welcome to this Burn It All Down hot take. As always, thank you to our patrons whose support of this podcast through our ongoing Patreon campaign make Burn It All Down possible. We are forever and always grateful. If you'd like to become a patron, it's easy. Go to patreon.com slash burn it all down. I'm very excited today to be joined on this baseball hot take by Shakia Taylor, a writer and a huge fan of the Cleveland baseball team. You might know her as Curly Fro on Twitter. So I originally asked Shakia on because yesterday was the All-Star game, which meant we are halfway through the baseball season, and I wanted someone who loves and follows the sport to talk about the first half of the season and give us predictions going forward, and we're going to get to that. But first, we're going to address the baseball elephant in the room about the All-Star game. So while the American League won 8-6 in the 10th inning, the story of the night went to Josh Hader, who's a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. During the game, Hader gave up a three-run homer, and afterward, Twitter, as it does, went back, read, and then put on blast racist, sexist, and homophobic tweets that Hader wrote in 2012. They are objectively terrible and offensive tweets. After the game, which became such a story during the game that his friends and family removed his jersey while they were still in the stands... Hater apologized, but he mainly focused on how he was 17 at the time and, according to him, young and immature. His Twitter account, along with his girlfriend's, who also had racist and homophobic language in old tweets, is now locked. On Wednesday, today, the MLB announced that Hater will be required to take sensitivity training and participate in the league's diversity and inclusion initiatives. Okay, so that's a lot around this one guy in a very short period of time. Shakia, I know you have lots of thoughts and you've done work around baseball, diversity, inclusivity. So I thought we could start with maybe like, were you in any way surprised by what happened last night? Or maybe in another way, like how indicative is this single instance of larger issues in baseball? Baseball is very, very heavily white and male. I think we all know that. People get very upset if you say it, though. But the numbers are there. The <laughs> demographics are there. I believe the exact percentage is 55% of baseball fans are older white men. Wow. So I am pretty unsurprised that a baseball player is or was or I don't know how to classify it at this point you know, tweeted things that were racist, sexist, and homophobic. It's actually pretty par for the course in baseball fandom because baseball is a sport that holds its very awful and ridiculous and absurd traditions very tightly. Um, there are a lot of dog whistles in baseball. Mm -hmm. um, Pedro Strope, who plays for the Cubs, he's a relief pitcher, he often wears his cap tilted 
to the left. And a lot of fans are find it endearing and they're like, hats to the left. But then you have people who are like, he should wear his cap the right way. Uh-oh. Well, Pedro Strope is not a white guy. Surprise. So a lot of the racism in baseball is very rooted in tradition and a lot of people I've seen in response to these tweets have been like oh but he was young and it's kind of made me think quite a bit about the idea that someone could be homophobic and racist as a 17 year old but then seven years later no longer be those things um not doubting the evolution, but doubting the evolution. How does that happen? Um, I've experienced racism at baseball games myself. I've seen baseball fans tweet very homophobic things. And he wouldn't be the first player to be homophobic. And he wouldn't be the first player to say something homophobic. Um, Daniel Murphy of the uh, Washington Nationals now, he said, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree with homosexuality. Well, friend, not your business. <laughs> and someone on Twitter, and it was surprising to me and kind of upsetting because it was a younger black woman. She was defending Murphy because I said, never forget Daniel Murphy is a homophobe. And she said, well, he's not homophobic. He just doesn't agree. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, that's the definition. But then she sent me a blurb of the definition. And because I didn't say Daniel Murphy has a strong aversion to gay people, then obviously I was I was wrong. Um, It's it's rooted in the culture of baseball to be hateful. And no one really wants to talk about it. No one wants to accept it. Um, I don't know if you saw Josh Hader was air quote punished today. um, Right, right. Baseball. Sensitivity training. What is sensitivity training exactly? Like, do they teach you to conceal your homophobia, your sexism, and your racism? I don't understand how sensitivity training works. But then on the flip side, I'm not sure what's the correct punishment or consequence for this. Right. Yeah, this is always a struggle with really anything that happens technically off the field, right? We talk about this a lot on the show. Um, and sort of how these leagues should be responding. And this is so, you just said so many things that were very interesting. Um, From me thinking about John McEnroe not liking Donald Young, who's of course a black man that plays Mm -hmm. tennis for you. He didn't like how Donald wore his cap to the, turn to the side. He would talk about it a lot. Um, Or not, you know, just tilted. Um, But also how when I introduced you, I said the Cleveland baseball team because you and I both don't say the name of the Cleveland baseball team, right. talk about him, you know, baked right in. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, do you have any idea of like, like what, what does baseball need to be doing? Like how, how do we sort of uh, like a, such an ingrained institution? And like you said, that holds on to this idea of tradition, which is such a bullshit idea um, in order to justify, like, how do, how do we, change any of this like it just feels so big sometimes I have this crazy idea bear with me go ahead go ahead I say this about (laughs) sports all the time I think we need a year without sports hear me out (gasps) I think in this year leagues work on hiring 
diverse people, and I hate that word, but it's necessary that they hire women, they hire women of color, they hire non-binary people, they hire trans people, they hire gay people, they hire, you know what I'm saying? Like work because you can only, I think you kind of have to, well, burn it all down (laughs) and start over and build something the correct way all of these things were all rooted and based in racism to start with much like our country so I honestly think and I know sports fans are like Shakia are you out of your mind (laughs) yes I am I am just start over start from scratch listen to marginalized people because that's who bears the brunt of this anyway, right? Marginalized and oppressed people are always expected to forget, forgive, and move on. Oh, it was a useful mistake. Eh, I don't know. Like, really? I, I really think it's so deeply ingrained in these leagues. There isn't a quick fix. That there is no sensitivity training. There is a tear it all down and build it back up. And start over. Because a lot of this stuff, you have owners, I'm certain, racist, homophobic. That's why you don't really know of any out baseball players. Like, right? it's so deep. It's it's so, so deep. I'm not sure what exactly can be done other than start over. Um, baseball's hiring practices are very interesting in that they don't let you know demographics by position. Huh. Which, on the surface, doesn't seem so terrible. But when you start looking at it, you start noticing things like, like in contrast to the NFL, right, where they're like, oh, we have all these white quarterbacks because it's a smart position. Right. Ha ha. (laughs) In baseball, that's the pitcher. It's like, oh, there aren't many black starting pitchers. Why is that? And I asked this once and people actually responded to me with because black people are better athletes, so they do better. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's like, hey, pal, that's racist. Um, (laughs) It's just, there's so, I've just gotten to the point now where I'm politely sarcastic about it. Um, But there's, there isn't one fix. I I know that a thing that I wrote about um, back in April, maybe, was uh, baseball could actually affect change if they start with youth, Hmm. with children. Um, Putting money into um, urban neighborhoods as far as little league baseball, um, whether it be for young girls or boys, because you foster interest that way. Baseball is an expensive sport to play. And like with most sports has now become whoever's parents have the most money to pay for extra coaching and, you know, uh, to drive you out of town for games and take you to the next, so, you know, next city over where the kids are a little more competitive. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean these kids are better because they have money, but they have access to things and access to things can give you the appearance of being better, right? Like that's how it goes. You start with kids, you start with just redoing the whole thing. That sounds amazing. So I think we're going to, like, we've decided, like, Brenda should be in charge of the National Women's Soccer League, and now you're going to be in charge of Major League <laughs> Baseball, <laughs> and I'm going to be in charge of the NCAA, and we're just going to fix everything. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, I hate saying that they should rely on women to save the world, but 
Uh, yeah. The, how they've been I doing it been... isn't working, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe just not straight men. Like, let's just start there. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you, um, how did you get into baseball? Why, why is it the sport that you love? Oh, man. So that's a long, terrible story. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, so first, I have, a, it's kind of a two-sided thing. So when I was in fifth grade, right before my 11th birthday, like literally the week before, seven days, we moved from a small town in North Carolina to a slightly bigger town in Ohio. Um, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, for the most part. Okay. And we moved to a new city and I got put in the gifted program and I didn't know anyone and it was my birthday. And so I had no friends, you know, there was just my cousins and there was this boy who I met and I had the biggest crush on him right away. Because <laughs> I had a Southern accent and he was nice to me. He didn't ask me to say it's shaking bacon. I held like everyone else did. <laughs> And, yeah. And he was a fan of the Cleveland baseball team. And so what do you do when you like someone? You like the things that they like. But mm. it's funny because now that guy doesn't like them at all. And I love them. Um, <laughs> but then on the, the other side of that story is it's much better and much cooler. So in the early 50s, my grandfather moved from um, Mississippi to Ohio to work at a steel mill and my grandmother followed a few years later as was you know that's how it was done back then right when you migrate from the south to the north one person goes gets a job gets a house makes the money then everybody follows so my grandparents followed baseball because back then the negro leagues still existed a little bit and they remembered that baseball was an event it was a thing. You dressed up. You took your family. Mm. You know, it was it was a, a thing. And black baseball was a really, really, really high earner in the black community. It was second in economics to insurance. So wow. having that like history in my family of hearing about my grandmother and my grandfather seeing different players here and there and just the random stories they told from seeing baseball in the 40s. Um my grandmother is currently 95, so imagine the stories that she has about baseball, and her memory is pretty sharp. Oh, wow. So that's kind of how it all happened for me. And then um, I moved to Chicago for college in 2001, and it's weird saying this, but technology wasn't what it is today, so I couldn't follow my home team, and I would not dare follow the White Sox. They're a division rival. So I picked up the Cubs and I became this hybrid fan of the Cleveland team and the Northsiders in Chicago, which I deeply regret now because um, they played each other in the World Series and I almost lost it every game. <laughs> but, oh no, oh no, fandom is so terrible. <laughs> and that is my baseball origin story. I just, I love it. And you know what? Baseball helps with my mental health. Yeah. And I realize people don't are like, what? How? Sports are stressful. Yes. But for three hours, I am focused on that. Not whatever my problems are, not whatever someone else is doing, but on the game, which is why I'm also big on people not talking to me during games, because it's like, <laughs> this is my moment to kind of shut my brain off and pay attention to the slowest sport in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, I just wrote a piece about the sort of emotional catharsis of sport and how useful mm-hmm. that is in our lives. So I totally understand. Um, so let's let's get into the nitty gritty of this actual season of baseball. Yes. Why don't you let's start with the first half because it's already obviously just ended. Uh, what were some highlights for you in this first half of baseball? Okay, so I'm going to start with my favorite highlight because I love him. Jason Hayward. The return of good Jason Hayward. Um, he was having not a great time, and he signed this eight-year, $184 million contract with the Cubs. And it's like he helped win the World Series, but his offense was not great. Mm. I, I mean, I really think Cubs fans were raising their eyebrows like, man, this guy's good on defense, but he's not getting any runs. And then somewhere along the way, he like reinvented his swing, and now – the guy is killing it now. Um, <laughs> he is. It's so funny. Like, it's so funny watching people go from, oh, Jason Hayward to, yes, Jason <laughs> Hayward. <laughs> Sports are so fickle. Um, and then another highlight from the season for me is the Mariners. I think they have one of the best stories in baseball. Um, at the start of the season, I think we all kind of thought the Astros would be the favorite in the AOS. Sure. But now the Mariners are like five games back in their division. There's a ton of baseball left. And then they're also only four games back of the Yankees for the first AOL car spot. I don't think anyone expected the Mariners to kind of emerge as potentially, you know, a contender this season. And their bullpen has been just bananas. Um, then there's the A's. Mm-hmm. Not sure mm-hmm. if you follow Oakland at all. I don't. Um, it's like, why, I guess? Because they were so bad for the last few years. But their future's looking pretty bright. If this season is any indication, they're going to be pretty damn okay. Um, I know, I notice in baseball, we make fun of the front office a lot. <laughs> like, people don't make fun of players as much as they make fun of organizations. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, well, because like... All sports make trades, right? But baseball trades can be huge. Like, it's it's not just about fitting a need. You kind of have to fit a need based on who you could potentially be playing down the road, which you kind of have to have a little bit of clairvoyance in that, I guess. Um, But the A's made some trades. and, you know, with them being so bad, you kind of raise an eyebrow, but you got Steven Piscotti. He's hit more home runs this half than any other half in his career. Then you have um, Trinan, who's a reliever. When he came, he was 0 for 2, three saves, and a ERA that was higher than 5. Now... He's an all-star, <laughs> and his ERA is less than one, wow. and he's, like, the best among all relievers in baseball. That's a huge, huge turnaround. Then there's Matt Chapman, who I was talking to one of my coworkers slash friends, Anthony, about him, who is raving, raving, raving. This guy's having a great season. <laughs> he's he's going, he's going ham. Like, it was the funniest conversation, but the A's are kind of doing it, and um, – I think they could uh they could they could potentially shock some people, me especially, if they keep going the direction they're going. Um, I realize that my highlights all most mostly came from the same side of baseball, but that 
I mean, the AL West is kind of, it's kind of popping right now. That's so interesting. Okay. So then like looking forward, going into the second half, um, what are you looking forward to? Or maybe uh, what teams or players should people be paying attention to as we do the second half, as we move towards the postseason? So it's funny you ask that. Because when you initially asked me to do this, I wrote my notes, and my first note was like, I'm going to talk about Manny Machado. Well, <laughs> that trade is done, apparently. And, oh, no. Right. Okay. And I, so I was like, oh, well, we kind of need to find out where Manny Machado is going because that'll impact the playoff races. Where does he end up? Well, it looks like he's going to L.A., the Dodgers. And okay. that's a big deal because now you got to see what happens with the Dodgers. Like, what are they doing? Um, they, you know, they made it to the World Series last year, lost to the Astros. Um, game five of last year's World Series was just, in my mind, I didn't love it. I'll be honest, because it was too high scoring. Like, you got a football score in a baseball game. But <laughs> for the casual fan, that was awesome because you got to see a lot of home runs, whatever. Right. So, I guess Machado going to the Dodgers is like, is this their redemption? Will Clayton Kershaw finally get a World Series ring? Um, another fun story for me, because I don't like either team, is <laughs> the Yankees and the Red Sox. <laughs> they are kind of like, they've been neck and neck all season. They're one and two in their division. Um, and the best part of this rivalry is, A, it's back, and B, the Yankees actually closed the season with a three-game series at Fenway. Oh, wow. So if the series isn't decided by then, we could be in for some drama. And drama that doesn't involve my team is always good. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then the other thing that – so I was doing a little, like, stat checking and Googling for fun, and I found out that the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Mariners are all on pace to win at least 100 games, which would be historic because that's multiple teams um, in the same season. Huh. My next thing to look forward to is I just mentioned the A's. Will they make a push mm -hmm. in their division? Um, and then the Brewers and the Cubs have a very close division race. I don't know if you follow at all, even in the smallest way, but they've been kind of going back and forth. One and two, one and two, okay. one and two. Oh, the Cubs are one game ahead, one and a half. Oh, the Brewers are now two games up. It's been real fun. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out at all, even though the Cubs are absolutely the favorite to win the division. Um, and then my last thing to look forward to is Shohei Otani. Um, he's a two-way player on the Angels, and he's he's hurt, I guess. He was on the DL for a while. No one is sure if he's going to need Tommy John surgery. Oh. So for me, which has been a question since the Angels got him, is how are they going to use him? Because I knew, because I'm a genius, <laughs> that this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I knew he was going to have an issue one way or the other. So I don't know how they're how they're going to use him, but how they use him could affect their season, you know, the outcome entirely. And then also how they impact, you know, the other teams in their division, because he's definitely a big, big part of their game. Wow. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. Um, <laughs> do you then looking forward to the postseason, which is when a lot of sort of casual people drop in to baseball that haven't paid a lot of attention. Like, uh, do you have predictions? Are you do you what do you think? Well, the easiest one I can make is that 
my team, the Cleveland Baseball Consortium, as my friend Justin calls them, <laughs> will win their division okay. because their division stinks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not saying that Cleveland's not good because they are. They are close to my heart, but their division stinks. So they they win their division. They win by at least 10 games. Um, and I've said this all year, and some people are going to boo when they hear this. I think the Yankees do not win their division. I think they lose in the wild card game and are done for the season. I can see the tomatoes coming at me now. <laughs> <laughs> but but I really don't think this is it for them. The evil empire has a lot of fans and they know, you know, how I feel about them. But just from a strictly baseball perspective, I think the Red Sox take that take that entire division, maybe even if it's by, you know, a hair and the Yankees lose in the wild card and then that's that. But they will be back the All following right. year. Um, Always. Right. right? <laughs> it's so I can't stand them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then in the NL East, uh, the Phillies and the Braves have been in such a close race. I don't think anyone actually can make a good prediction on that yet, unless you're Nate Silver. <laughs> but like that's been a super close race. And then you have the Nationals, the Nationals who... I don't know who they're going to be in the second half. They don't really have an identity to me yet. And Bryce Harper, who, you know, won the home run derby in what is now proving to be kind of a controversial ending. Um, I guess it kind of depends on their season depends on how well he does at this point. They are riding <laughs> the Bryce Harper wave. And with him going into free agency next summer, this could be it for him in D.C. Okay. But I have to say this, my one postseason prediction every year that you can always absolutely expect, I'm going to be screaming at someone. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. You can bet money on it. <laughs> what would sports be without it? That's wonderful. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Shakia. This was perfect. You are lovely. And I just <laughs> love listening to you talk about baseball. So we definitely have to have you back on Burn It All Down. Thank you. And I suck you up and I spit you out.